0: So continuing on in verse 7, nor are they the children because they are Abraham's descendants. So he's telling us no, because they haven't kept the law. Most of them are not Jews, they're not in the covenant. Okay, they haven't kept the promises. They may believe them like most professing Christians believe they're Christians and they're not. Okay, nor are they the children because they are Abraham's descendants. Don't mean the scripture says their descendants will be as the sands of the earth and the stars of heaven, but only a remnant will be saved. Well, we just read what Jesus said. Most of the children of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. Okay? It's only the remnant. Okay? So, Seven says, through Isaac, he's quoting the Old Testament, your descendants will be named. See? Not through Ishmael. We'll find out something about Abraham's choices and Isaac didn't go along with God's. And what God had decided, they tried to alter it sometimes. But it didn't matter. God manipulated them. He could even use a woman in disobedience to deceive her husband. It's his right to use anybody. And that's what he did. And yet she was punished later. We'll find out when she deceived Isaac, By making him in his blindness, she made Jacob appear to be Esau with the fur because he wanted to give the blessing. And we'll find out it didn't work. But she reaped the consequences too. God can use whomever he pleases. He used nations, wicked nations, to punish Israel. And then when he was finished, he punished those nations. That's his right to do that. He can use the devil and demons to sift and test and do certain things and then he overrides them, whatever suits him, okay? Verse 8, that is, it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise, that's the Spirit, are regarded as descendants. So, and as he will go back, he'll show us the way of faith and grace superseded the law. It wasn't by ritual, it was a certain better way and the law was temporarily until he extended the grace. It was to teach. It was to be a tutor. It was a lesser covenant. And the Jew thought it would last forever. It didn't. And he didn't intend for it to. Okay? And they fell into his plan by rebelling. And if they hadn't have rebelled, he could have brought it into effect anyway. There is no counsel, no wisdom against the Lord. Man thinks, oh, we've got to do this and that. We don't know a drop in the ocean compared to what God's wisdom could understand. So we see then, it is the spiritual children of the promises of faith and grace that are the true Christian and the true Jew under the old covenant, the faithful Jews. And they were the ones in paradise called Abraham's bosom. Yeah, they were the faithful Jews, and Gentiles were there. Believe it or not, Job was there, Melchizedek was there. He was before the Jews. He was uh, at the time of Abe. There were righteous Gentiles at that time too that were not. From what we understand, Moses' father-in-law was a priest of Midian, and before that, he wasn't in a covenant with Jehovah. And as far as we know, he didn't come into that covenant. So we see Balaam at once, one time was a true prophet, a Gentile, until he rebelled by greed and prosperity and covetousness, just like they do today. And he called him, Jehovah, my God. He's my God, but he failed and he disobeyed out of his greed. And as far as we know, everything he prophesied came to pass. So they couldn't nail him being a false prophet by his prophecies, which most could be, okay? So we see what then? Abraham lived by faith in God's plan of salvation and righteousness and power to live before God, obeying and pleasing him. And on every major issue, Abraham obeyed God. He not only believed God, he obeyed when he was told to do certain things. If he had not obeyed, his faith would have been worthless. So God was saying, like, to the Christian, if you believe me and you're I'm your Lord, then you obey me. And that's why Jesus is going to say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do what I tell you? If you do not do what Jesus tells you, he's not your Lord. See, people like to, they want a sure foundation, a line foundation. Oh, God loves me unconditionally. That's a false concept. Because they believe, because he loves them unconditionally, they'll make it to heaven. No. And he don't love anybody unconditionally that's not in the covenant. He has goodwill toward them, and he wants them to repent and get right. But it's not unconditionally. Under the old and new, if you didn't meet the conditions, you forfeit the covenant. You see, a lot of people lie. Well, it's a one-sided covenant. No, it's not. That's a lying demon teaching. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's all God. No, the plan was all God, not accepting the plan. We'll see that, too. The plan was all of God. But if man doesn't confess and repent, the plan don't work, okay? So, see, they need to rightly handle the word of truth, which heretics never do. They emphasize scriptures out of context without reading the verses before and after, and that's not the word of God. And I've said it before, people said they'd open the Bible and point to the scripture to sort of guide them. And so the person opened it and said, Judas went and hung himself. And then they got another scripture they pointed, and it said, go thou and do likewise. Well, are they going to? Fools. They're trying to make fortune telling out of the Bible. Don't work that way. So 9 through 11, for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. It was promised through Abraham and through Sarah. And we'll see later when he was questioning things, he wanted Ishmael to have this, and God wouldn't have nothing to do with it. He loved Ishmael. As far as we know, Ishmael hadn't done anything wrong. It was God's choice and plan for Isaac, okay? And not only this, but there was Rebekah also, when she had conceived twins by one man, and she said, our father, Isaac. But before we go, well, we'll go in. Though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purposes according to his choice would stand, not because of works, because of him who called. God originally wanted Isaac. But even if someone else failed, and we'll see like with Jacob, and that not alter God's plan. He could have blessed them anyway. Now, through prophecy, we know David was going to be raised up. Through the Psalms and certain prophecies prophecies before him, he would raise him up. And yet God originally chose Saul. And people say, well, he knew. No, they don't get into that foolishness. There's no such basis in Scripture. God tested Saul. The anointing was on him. He had the Spirit. Because when he lost it, he said, God doesn't speak to me but dreams and visions of by prophets anymore, or the holy law, because he was anointed of God. Under that covenant, he was saved. But he kept disobeying the Lord. And when God had the final word, I'm tired of you, I'll find another one. And the scripture says that people don't read that. God said, if you had obeyed me, talking to Saul, I would have established your house forever. And it wouldn't have altered bringing David in. And David had married one of his seven, eight wives was Saul's daughter. And because she dishonored him and made fun of him, he never slept with her. And so the house of Saul did not continue through David. But it could have. If he had remained faithful, like Jonathan did, God could have continued Saul's house mixed with David's, but the main emphasis would have been David, and he would have had no problem. His son, Jonathan, said, you'll be king, even though he knew it was for him naturally, and his father threw a spear at him because he was defending David instead of his own house. And he told David, he said, you'll be king, and I'll be next to you. He was willing to accept that. Saul should have been, but he wasn't. And he was cut off from God, and a demon got him, and God had decided never to show grace on him. He's lost forever, and he was once the anointed of God. Okay? So people need to remember that. So he's saying God has choices, and that's the point. Now, the choice, we're going to see, too, a lot of people think it's the individual. We're going to find out it's the descendants he's talking about. When God gives prophecies through Jacob to the sons, it is not directly to them all of the foreseeing and prophecy is to the tribes and the descendants is what he's talking about. And we're going to see the same thing. It happens with Ishmael and Isaac. It happens with Esau and Jacob. God had already made up his mind as far as plans, and that's his right. And he don't explain it. He has the will and purposes, and it has nothing to do with anything else. Because Esau chose to be wicked and rebelled, that's his problem. Maybe it confirmed to God, but when God originally planned to do it, he didn't look into the future and say, Esau will be a a wicked fornicator. That's not his concept, though he became that, because he was not willing to submit to God's plan. But we can't blame him too much. Abraham wasn't willing in the beginning. He wanted to make Ishmael his firstborn, he wanted all the promises to go to him. Abraham, he wanted Esau. He didn't want Jacob, but they didn't get their will, did they? Because God had already determined it, okay? He said before they were born. And he gave the sign when they were born and they were coming out. Jacob forced his foot out before Esau. They understood it. The second son will be the head. It was a prophecy given. And it's interesting that Isaac didn't pay attention to it. See, he didn't want to hear that. So God let him deceive himself when he got blind. And God, in his providence, tricked him into doing his will. He could have appeared to him and said, do this, do that. He did it. He said, No, he's not, he, he's so set on what he wants. I'll just accomplish this myself. So he wasn't directly disobedient. He was just doing his human nature, and God decided, well. Since you are not that spiritual in this, I'll just go about and do my will. And he'll have to explain these things, okay? So God's plan of covenants and callings and chosen things has no personal bearing on Isaac and Jacob themselves. Oh, they fell into line and did certain things, but he had already planned it before they were born that he was going to use Jacob, So their nature, and we forget too, when God didn't choose Ishmael, there was nothing wrong with Ishmael. He was a 13-year-old boy. He was sent out, and when Abraham sent him out, the Lord told him, I'll take care of him. Twelve tribes will come out of him. God blessed him. When his mother and them were out in the desert with nothing, and, and they didn't have no water, and she thought the child was dying, the angel of the Lord showed him how to get water. He wasn't against them, but his plan was different, okay? So we don't have no real baron. Esau became wicked, but even without him becoming wicked, God would have, if he had been righteous, God would have maybe enlightened him. You're to submit to this, as Jonathan would have with King David. So God made plans as his own desire and choice, It has nothing to do with the will of man. Okay? God made the plan of salvation, like we said. And never did he consult man about this. Okay? And we'll see later, we'll read scripture on that. Now, man had to accept it or reject it, but the plan itself was all God's. And see heretics say uh, it has nothing to do, the lecture, because God made, see, they misinterpret scripture because. All false teachers and intellectuals who will not humble themselves, God sends them lying spirits. And as quoted again, Jesus said, You've hidden these things from the wise and prudent, the intellectuals of the world. See, so He lets them be deceived. He said, I'll reveal it to the simple. They'll beat it, the ones that will believe me. So God isn't an interested in enlightening intellectual bumpkins. He's only interested if they follow His word then the intellect is fine. Paul said, look at your Christian calling. Not many wise are called because they won't come the way God tells them to. It isn't he disfavors them. He says, this is the way to come. And they're too proud and arrogant to do that. They trust in their own wisdom, natural wisdom. And Paul said, I have become a fool to know God. All that wisdom don't mean nothing, he said. And he knew a lot, okay? So we see in verse 11, and again, people forget this. It is said to her, you know, when she's having the twins, a prophecy was given. The older one will serve the younger. 13, just that is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Well, people say, God predestined to hate him before he was born. The word here often is translated, people understand, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have loved less. But the word, again, I can prove, has nothing to do with Jacob and Esau. It's to their descendants he's prophesying. That's what he's prophesying. I can prove it by one scripture, basically. Verse 12, Esau the older, it says what here? The older will serve the younger. Esau never served Jacob. He never did. Esau never served him. It was prophesied. He's talking about his descendants. Jacob was afraid of Esau and had to flee to his mother's brother because he was going to kill him after Isaac died. He never submitted to him. So personally, that didn't apply here. It didn't work. Okay? And people forget to read that. If the word of God sound, where can you find that Esau ever submitted to Jacob? He didn't. And yet the scripture says why? Because he's talking about the descendants. And so when Jacob blessed the twelve children, he's talking about their descendants. He tells us what's going to happen to them, or what they're going to do, certain tribes. He's not basically talking about the individual. That's very lightly. Talking about well, because the sins of the fathers will visit the third and fourth generation, and their sins are transmitted. And if they don't deal with it, Children are raised by a mother that gossips, usually gossip. They don't have to, but they have that preposition, determination, and they have to fight it. They don't have to be a gossiper, but it tempts them. See, certain sins of the uh, follow through the human nature. That's Paul the curse. And the Christian has to overcome it. He says the the law of sin and death will not be over you. You're not under it. So you can break the curse. Uh, many of them choose not to. Okay, so Esau never served Jacob. Jacob never ruled over Esau as a person. It was the descendants. Okay, and that's uh, where you get we're going to see later to a lot of the heresies by misinterpreting these things. Nine thirteen. So as we said, just as is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau have I hated. Jacob loved the nations from him. He chose Israel. True Jews and the true church are coming through Jacob. Esau, I've hated. They're of the world and they will eventually not submit to God or his plans. They're seeking their own way as the world of sinners do. See, that's what he's telling us is going to happen. See, people forget that. That's why the word I hate comes in. Some say it should be I love love. I said, but even if the word hates there, God despises the wicked. Oh, he can love them at goodwill. But if you read the Psalms, he says he despises the wicked. He despises their soul. If they finally keep rebelling, he'll cut them off. And when they go to the lake of fire, God's attitude is not pity, uh, feeling sorry. It's utter contempt. That means total disregard and he said, I'm a consuming fire. What is that? The lake of fire. It's to punish them. He do not have a pleasant thought for those in the lake of fire. That's the horror of God's wrath. And Paul said, I'll do anything, and you should do anything. He said, Christ has saved us from the wrath of God. Stay in Christ. That's what he was talking about. You don't want to be on the opposite side because when he judges and comes back, he's going to judge the world, and most of them are sinners. And it says he's not going to come with salvation. He's coming as a king and a judge. And the multitudes go flee to the caves and hills and beg them to fall in them to hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. There ain't going to be no pity then. See, once grace is extended, as we said, 120 years in building the ark and preaching to the time of Noah, they didn't, weren't convinced and they mocked and everything else. They were still given opportunity. They didn't listen. And then once they got in with the animals, the scripture says God shut the door. He shut the door of grace. It didn't matter after that who came banging on the door. It didn't matter if the ship was rising and they were beating on it. He couldn't open it for them because God shut the door. So when grace has run its course, that's what happens. And God's trying to tell man to listen. That's why we fear the Lord. Oh, people say, well, oh, he's my buddy. You don't know certain things. Don't make God all human because he's not. Well, no human father would cast his children. Well, no human father is holy and just and does everything right. And your father loves you because he's a respecter of persons and because you're his, that's all human. It has nothing to do with the divine. So, See, we could undo some of these thoughts of people. So we see then, they would not submit, and so he hates them. The descendants, those of the world, he hates in proportion to when they resist him and harden themselves. But as long as they live, if they've not blasphemed the Spirit, he's still offering a peace treaty. They're his enemies. He said it's not his will. The Bible says that God is good, and Jesus said, he's good and kind to the evil and the unthankful. Isn't that something? It's his nature to still offer. But eventually he's going to come into judgment and holiness and grace and mercy have gone. Too late then, okay? I've heard, and it's true to some degree, I've debated it, but I, I give him a concession, When Cain, a lot of scholars say his offering was rejected because it wasn't blood. That might be true. But first, God said his heart wasn't right. So if he didn't offer the blood because he thought his his grain was better, well, his heart wasn't right. He should have submitted to God and said, well, what do you want? And if God said, I want blood, then he'd go to his brother and ask for a lamb because he didn't raise lambs. But in his arrogance and his self determination, he thought his sacrifice is as good as anybody. Well, that's the world thing. They think God's going to weigh their good against their bad, and they're going to find out a little bit of the bad's going to send them to hell, and their good's not going to count for nothing because they're not in Christ Jesus. And an evil tree cannot bring forth good fruit. Okay? So if it's true, his heart was not right, and he could have dealt with the sin. But it doesn't matter. But you read that. And the Bible doesn't say he rejected his grain offering. Grain offerings were acceptable under the law, but not for sin. Well, maybe Cain didn't know. Maybe it was a simple thing. God said, offer blood. Or simply, it may not have been a matter at that time. When Cain, sacrifice may have been sufficient. But it was his heart that wasn't right. And God said, if your heart was right, your offering would be accepted. So whether it was grain or blood, that's God's business because it doesn't tell us. So when people make a, a legitimate stand, it has to be this. Well, they're foolish because the Bible doesn't tell us. So, But I can give allowance and say it might be. But he was wicked, and he proved it by killing his brother, okay? Okay, because Jacob I've loved and Esau I've hated. We're talking about the descendants now. We're not talking about an individual likes and dislikes. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? He said, may it never be. So he said, is God unjust? Because he can choose and do certain things? This is not unjust. God forms his own will and plans according to his purposes, and not man's. He doesn't have to consult man. He sets the plans in motion, and man either rejects it or uh, doesn't. That's man's part. People say, well, it's not man's will to be saved, it's God's grace. And No, you're misinterpreting. The plan is only God's. But you cannot be saved unless you turn to the Lord and confess and repent of your sins. So you can reject the plan so it won't work. So you do have something to do with your salvation. But it isn't one-sided. See, that gets into God chose and predestined. That makes God a monster. People are afraid to say that because the devil in them deceives them and makes God to be worse than the devil. And it's an evil spirit teaching that stuff because they've not researched it properly. And because they're so intellectual, God sends a lying spirit to them. And the intellectual don't mean nothing when you're dealing with spirits. The spirit realm is totally different. Okay? Of course God cannot be unjust. Now, remember, he's talking to Christian Jews and Jews having problems, still thinking the Jewish way, except in Gentiles, thinking they should be lesser Christians and all that. They were mingling sometimes and thinking like the Judaizers. Paul wouldn't have nothing to do with that. When the Judaizers were saying all Christian Gentiles have to be circumcised, what was Paul's response? I hope you slip with the knife and castrate yourselves." That's what he thought. (laughs) He was against Gentiles being circumcised. That was the old covenant. Now some people argue today, if a Christian Jew, well he's already circumcised. But if he becomes a Jew, does he have to be circumcised? No. I see no basis in Scripture. He's putting himself back under the law. And Paul said, if you do that, he said, if you're circumcised, you're obligated to keep the whole law. And then the point is, nobody can. Okay, so what does that tell us? Okay, it's through grace and faith of Christ. He is our righteousness, and his spirit gives us the ability to obey the Christ and the law of Christ. So, of course, he cannot be unjust. God's no respecter of persons as to personality or human affection or talents. He don't think that way, okay? God is no respecter of persons, but he can respect one who chooses to follow his way, and he can dishonor the one who does not. But in the original sense, as he said, it's not his will that any perish, but all come to know his truth. It's God's will that every human that's ever been born come to God. Well, the heretics say, well, only the elected. A million years before they were born, God had already discerned heaven and hell. Well, you're a demonic fool as far as I'm concerned, and you'll pay for it one day for believing such nonsense. Okay. So he can dishonor those who dishonor him, and he can show great honor and respect for those who choose to follow him. But in a sense, he's neutral in the beginning. He just has nothing for or against the human. How are they going to yield? And like he said, under both covenants, even the wicked of the world, most of the leaders are lost and fall into, but it didn't say all of them. Paul said, pray for your leaders. He wasn't a fool to think if you could pray for them, but they can't be saved. That would be stupid of him, wouldn't it? Why would, it? would you waste your prayer if God is ordained that all leaders of the world go to hell. That's another foolishness. People are ignorant. Paul and James would have said you're fools. Jesus would have said you're a fool. He called his disciples fools when they expressed certain opinions. Okay. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but desires all that didn't save the elected and the predestined. He desires all to be saved. But if they refuse, if they refuse the gospel, his way is what? A way of wrath and punishment, and that's God's plan. See, people forget, the, oh yeah, he has a plan. He's the great economist. He doesn't waste anything. The wicked will be turned into hell. The Bible says all those who forget God will be turned into hell. Okay? And they choose that, okay? And so we see in heaven, the righteous will experience everlasting joy and blessing. But the one in the lake of fire, everlasting contempt and wrath, and God is the consuming fire. The lake of fire. It's in God's plan, okay? But we see then, so the Romans here were talking about the choice for plans and purposes, and he needs no help from imperfect natural men to come up with plans. And so as we said, uh, he came up with the plan of salvation from the beginning. From Adam and Eve, and, uh, he already made up the plan how he was going to redeem man. And We see that. The expression is before the foundation. It means in God's mind, in his eternity, whether he knows past, present, or future, or how much, he had the plan in effect. Isn't that something? I guess he didn't have to sit down all night and think about it. Look at John, chapter 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And many heretics say, well, see, man's will has nothing to do with it. It's election and protection. No, he's already told us, the ones that receive him. Mm-hmm. And the plan of salvation is of God. It's not of their plan. But they have to accept it or reject it. Very simple. Yes, see, the way of wisdom, God says the way is plain to those who walk righteously. He lets the Christians see things that the intellectual bumpkin cannot see. Even the ones that claim to be Christians, they spend their whole time studying, the, and they don't even know what it means to be saved. They talk about Christian theology, and they're not even saved. How can you be a great intellectual and talk about predestination and election before anybody's ever created? I'm sure you're going to answer to God one day at the day of judgment, and that's why you're going to weep and mourn and wail when you found out how stupid you were and how hopeless you are in hell. That's the wrath of God. Pay him back, people, for misrepresenting him. Okay. So the plan is solely God's. Man's part is to accept it or reject it. That's where man's will comes in. But the plan of salvation, that was God's business. He didn't ask any man or angel to come up with something. He didn't say, go... Think up something for me. That was his plan. Okay, 15. And he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Romans goes state, he will harden whom he will harden, and he'll show mercy on whom he'll show mercy. That's God's right, and we're going to see that. This shows God is free to extend or withhold Grace. Now, as I've said, many people think it's only the grace of Christ that says, No, under the old covenant, it was conscience, it was government. If they followed that, that was grace. God has always been gracious to man. He told Moses when he revealed himself, I am gracious and long-suffering. There wasn't nothing new, but it was revealed further, and extra grace was given. Uh-huh. But he's always been gracious. He didn't wipe out Israel under three times. He was planning on destroying them for their wickedness. And he decided all extend the grace, but they'll be punished too. He didn't let them get away with it. See, people think when God forgives, everything's forgotten. No. If you're a Jew or a Christian, you'll be chastened by the Lord. Christian Jew I'm talking about now, but under the old covenant. That's why we are chastened. Hebrews says... We're chastened and we're afflicted, that we be not partakers of the world. So if a Christian starts playing with sin and starts doing if he's really a Christian, God's gonna do a number on him. Because he has no bastards. He does they don't get away with it. If a person's getting away with their gross sinning and they're claiming to be a Christian and everything's going well, they're in dangerous. That means God's not dealing with them anymore. If he's punished you and beating you, say, so at least he's I'm his and he don't like it, and he's showing me this. But, yeah, many prospering people, and, and many other think they're Christians, and everything goes smoothly. Job talked about that. He said, until the day they died, and the terror came on them. The psalmist said, I envied the wicked. Everything went smooth. Everything was not, he said, "Till I saw their end. So God let them live their life. And that's more dangerous if God decides not to discipline or deal with you. It means he's said, okay, do your thing, but I'll meet you the day of judgment, okay? That's the danger. People better understand the fear of the Lord. So we see what? As we just read, I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So he's free to extend or withhold grace. He can exercise his will, but would never be inconsistent, his will, with his character and attributes. So when he chooses, in his wisdom, to withhold grace, in his mind, he has a reason. He don't explain it to man. He's not obligated to. So we'll see with Pharaoh, it was to show his glory and his power to Israel. He decided to raise him up for that. He was already wicked, and he would not take the warnings that God gave sufficient warnings. And he could have responded properly, but he did not. So God said, well, I won't waste him. I won't kill him before his time. I'll have a use for him. And he's using the devil now. The devil is roaming the earth. He's testing Christians. He's doing all kinds of... He hasn't been cast into the lake of fire yet. But he was judged when Jesus said it's finished on the cross. His sentence has been proclaimed, but it will not be carried out till he's cast into the lake of fire. So God uses him, keeps him around. He was used to test Adam and Eve. That's God's privilege. Okay. So God made hell and the lake of fire at first for the devil and his angels, or they're demons now. But he decided later when he made man to cast wicked man there also. He didn't make a new place. So he made that originally for the devil and his angels. It was not made for humanity. But he changed the plan. Oh, they're going to be wicked? Remember during Noah's time, he said they were so wicked. He said, God said, and he's using human terminology, it repents me that i made man. It's almost like he's expressing in human terms, I didn't think he'd get to be this wicked. Well, of course he knew, but he's relating this to us. To show us how extreme they become and why he was going to wipe them out off the earth. See? He has a right to do that. Let's stop at 15. We'll continue later. Lord, give us wisdom and understanding and practical understanding of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.